The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature an application update in the psychology of everyday life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair today while we talk about the psychology of terrorists. In 1986, I was a visiting fellow at the University of Maryland College Park campus the Center for International Development and Conflict Management. I had an opportunity to work on research for political psychology. While there, I realized that there are four types of terrorists. There's the psychopathic, ethnogeographic religious, ethnogeographic political, and the retributional terrorist, the one that doesn't fit into the three former ones. And we're going to learn why today. When we look at violence, terrorism, and terrorist, we're not looking at the usual kind of street crime. There's usually a mission, and that mission can be a fundamentalist mission. But not everybody who participates as a terrorist is a fundamentalist. Jean Knudsen's research resulted in her belief that victimization is a motive force behind such political violence in the contemporary world, she says. Victimization is a personally experienced injustice which the victim knows to be uncertain and that there has been unnecessary creation of fear. Discrete victimization events that have the strength to change the victim's perception of the world can cause the victim to act in defense of himself or herself. Is that the retributional terrorist? Political psychologists are inclined to look at instances of the use of force or the threat of force in terms of both of these perspective instrumental experiences and expressions. Each act is usually based on some mixture of instrumental motivation and underlying psychological dynamics. Therefore, try to ascertain the particular mixture of the underlying acts of political violence, religious violence, regardless of who's committing them. The use of force or the threat to use force usually implies the use of some form of violence. The question of the origins or triggers of human violence has integrated students and intrigued people into the study of human behavior, at least since the earliest days of written history. During the 20th century, scholars have advanced a wide variety of theories of human aggressiveness. These can be roughly divided into three categories, 
biological theories, which is the psychophysiological, sociobiological, and the ethological. Number two, there are the psychological and social psychological theories, from Freud's theories to theories of situational conformity. And three, the discipline of political psychology, generating many theories to better understand terrorism and international violence. Political psychology is the marriage of political science and psychology. In psychology, it's usually social psychology and clinical psychology. Knudsen and her colleagues have emerged in direct response to events in the political world of psychological understanding. Dollard, in 1939, and others have formed the basis for more politically oriented work. Ted Robert Gurr has developed a theory of revolutionary behavior based on frustration-aggression theory. Now, when we look at theorists throughout history, we see Freud as well as Dollard and his associates, and others back in 1979 who focused on what happened inside the individual. Situational conformity theories concentrated on what is happening in the microenvironment. Social learning theories, as well as Knudsen's victimization theory, concentrated on the impact of both the microenvironment and the macroenvironment of individual behavior. Ethnocentrism focuses on the dynamics of microenvironmental interactions within groups, as well as the macroenvironmental issues involved in the relationship between groups, which may consist of entire cultural or natural collectives. All to some extent stress the importance of the personality-situation interaction. They can also be seen as making a potential contribution to analyze specific events involving the use or threat of force. When we see the whole issue of human aggressive behavior as involving a much more complex dynamic microenvironment, macroenvironment, along with the individual dynamics, we're able to address the individual dynamics. The hired guns are the individuals who seek satisfaction in a pathologically narcissistic need to control. That's a psychopathic terrorist. The group cause terrorist may manifest through two systems, religious, political, or both. These are ethnogeographic terrorists. The person who had no history of pathology and was inclined to membership in any particular group, yet suffered a deliberate, planned, major atrocity against self, family, community, or all, is the retributional terrorist. The terrorist incidents were not qualified by terrorist types. Direct or indirect information on each person involved in these events would highlight the type of motivation may enhance the negotiations process. That's the purpose of this study, is how to better negotiate, knowing the kind of individual that you're dealing with. The psychology of the terrorist, or terrorism at large, is best understood 
when the holistic model is implemented. Although terrorism, torture, or any form of violence is an excusable fact, there are explanations for these acts of atrocity that need be considered to foster an end to such unforgettable and unforgivable events. When we look at the clinical and forensic psychology investigation, we want to learn and understand the terrorist. We need to examine the personality profile of that individual, diagnose psychological defense mechanisms, and how this can benefit the negotiations process. The clinical information is critical in the negotiations process, thinking as the perpetrator can be essential in developing a resolution to the conflict at hand. It is important to know the defense mechanisms highlighted with such individuals. Psychological defense mechanisms are patterns of feelings, thoughts, or behaviors that are relatively involuntary and arise in response to perceptions of psychic danger. They are designed to hide or to alleviate the conflicts or stresses that give rise to anxiety. Defense mechanisms can be divided into categories by different theorists. Narcissist, immaturity, narcissistic, and mature. Then we have the psychotic immature, neurotic mature, and the action major image distortion, disavow, narcissistic minor imagery distortion, other neurotic obsessional, high adaptive level are seen as well. The protocol of clinical and forensic intervention that leads to diagnosis and identifying defense mechanisms is the psychological interview and mental status examination. It's important to look at the psychological history. The identification of that individual, is it basically done by the examining professional who requires the name, address of origin, affiliations? This was usually provided by the referring agency or legal practice seeking expert representation for their client. The chief complaint is there and where the professional requires or inquires about what is the troubling that person and the reason they needed professional intervention. Why did they become terrorist? We're going to learn about that later on. The history of present concerns. This concerns a chronological background of the development of the person's behavior, cognition, emotions, and their environment. The professional, however, should listen carefully to the symptoms and circumstances that led to the onset of such and to ascertain any pre-morbid personality characteristics or traits. We also want to know about the family history. Is this a very important source of information? Of course it is. To find out the environment the person grew up in as well as to elicit any evidence of psychological disorders. Past personal history examines the individual's life from infancy to the present. It's divided into three stages, early and late childhood, adolescence, and the third, adulthood. Sexual history. 
This is determined whether the person has had any sexual disorders, sexual misconduct at any period or in different periods of his life or her life. Medical history is the individual suffering from any illness, disability, or disorder. Social history. Here one records any reported or investigated evidence of military duty, legal problems involving imprisonment or arrest, membership in various organizations, political, religious, or others. Psychological history. This examines the knowledge of all psychological conditions, and this knowledge gives ability to shift material and know how to sift that data when it's missing and still need to be obtained. When we look at the mental status examination, this focuses on the individual's condition while being examined, the general description. Look at their appearance. How do they seem as far as attitude? Their overall behavior. Except if the person is jailed, then inmate attire would be expected, of course. Speech and stream of talk. It enables the, examine, the examiner to know whether the tone of the individual is normal, rapid, or slow, and what could be the reason. Emotional reaction and mood, perceptions, thought concepts, cognitive ability will all help lead to a diagnosis or at least an assessment of their psychology. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'll be back in a moment in the psychologist's chair. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Ever dreamed of seeing yourself or your child in a modeling ad, TV commercial, feature film, or a TV show? Do you think that you can't work as an actor or model because you are too old, not tall enough, or simply have no idea how to get started? Well, now you can learn the best way to get started and give yourself your best chance to succeed, no matter where you live. Tune in to Model Talk Radio, presented by ModelScouts.com. Each week, host Aaron Marcus, America's premier acting and modeling coach, will take you behind behind the scenes of the modeling and acting world. Join us Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Do you know what a brat is? No, we're not talking about that kind of brat. Brat stands for British Regimental Attached Traveler. It was adopted by American culture after World War II when American military began long-term assignments at U.S. military installations worldwide. Learn about the brat culture, the lost tribe, 
by tuning in to BratCon Radio with host Dennis Campbell and co-creator Pat Caves. There are almost 8 million living brats. Hear from them and from guests who studied or examined them. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden in the Psychologist Chair. We're looking at the psychology of terrorists. Four types of terrorists, the psychopathic, ethnogeographic religious, ethnogeographic political, and the retributional terrorist. Let's talk about the psychopathic terrorist. In the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, text revised, that was developed by the American Psychiatric Association in 2000, the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder highlights the following. The essential feature of antisocial personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others that begins in childhood or early adolescence and continues into adulthood. This pattern has been referred to as psychopath, sociopath, or dissocial personality disorder. Because deceit and manipulation are central features of ascent let me do that one again because of I'll start from there because deceit and manipulation are central features of antisocial personality disorder it may be especially helpful to integrate information acquired from systemic clinical assessment with information collected from collaborative sources the pattern of antisocial behavior continues into adulthood. Individuals with antisocial personality disorder fail to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behavior. They may repeatedly perform acts that are grounds for arrest, such as destroying property, harassing others, stealing, or pursuing illegal occupations. Persons with this disorder disregard the wishes, rights, and feelings of others. They are frequently deceitful and manipulative in order to gain personal profit or pleasure. A pattern of impulsivity may be manifested by failure to plan ahead. Individuals with antisocial personality disorder also tend to be consistently and extremely irresponsible. They may be indifferent to or provide a superior and a superficial rationalization for having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from someone. These individuals may blame the victims for being foolish, helpless, or deserving their fate. They may minimize the harmful consequences of their actions, or they may simply indicate complete indifference 
they generally fail to compensate or make amends for their behavior. Child abuse or neglect, unstable and erratic parenting, or inconsistent parent discipline may increase the likelihood that conduct disorder will evolve into antisocial personality disorder. Let's look at the defense mechanisms of the psychopathic personalities. Denial, which may even be a psychotic denial, as some would like to think. Unlike repression, it affects the perception of external reality, seeing but refusing to acknowledge what one sees and hearing but negating what is actually heard are examples of denial and exemplify the close relationship of denial to sensory experiences. Distortion. Glossy, reshaping external reality to suit inner needs, including unrealistic megalomania beliefs, hallucinations, wish-fulfilling delusions, and using sustained feelings of delusional superiority or entitlement. Projection can be narcissistic here. Frank delusions about external reality, usually persecutory. It includes being both perceptions of one's own feelings in another and subsequent acting on the perceptions as paranoid disorders. Acting out, the direct expressions of an unconscious wish or impulse to avoid being aware of the accompanying effects. What we see then is that rationalization is part of the psychopathic personality, a mechanism of which the person devises reassuring or self-serving, but not correct, explanations for his or her behavior or others' behavior. Basically, denial, minimization, and rationalization. How do you negotiate with the psychopathic type? These individuals are narcissistic and unconcerned with the welfare of others. They are interested in their own personal benefits only. They can be hired to do the job with little or no interest in the cause. They can kill with no remorse. To kill a hostage is of little concern unless it directly affects him or her, the psychopathic terrorist. They might not be that easy to negotiate with, but much easier to deal with than the next two terrorists that we're going to discuss, the ethnogeographic religious, ethnogeographic political terrorist. These two types run the same or very similar dynamics, but for different causes. In explaining others' actions, professionals frequently commit the fundamental attribution error. They attribute their behavior so much to the inner disposition that we discount important situation forces. The error occurs partly because our attention focuses on the person, not on the situation. A person's race or gender is vivid and attention-getting. The situational forces working upon that person are usually less visible. 
When we define fundamentalism according to the Oxford Reference Dictionary, it says that fundamentalism is defined as a strict maintenance of traditional orthodox beliefs, a movement which develops among various bodies based on strict adherence to certain tenets, whether it be religious or whether it be political. This definition can apply to political as well as religious fundamentalism. To understand the fundamental mindset, let's look at ourselves in terms of attribution theories. Some theorists argue that attribution errors can bias people's explanations of group members' behavior. We grant members of our own group members' behavior. We grant members our own group benefit of the doubt. She donated because she has a good heart. One would refuse because he had to under the circumstances. When explaining the acts of members of a other group, we often assume the worst. He donated to gain favor. She refused because she's selfish. When we look at the various groups and why people join them, we're going to be getting into that as well. But right now, let's look at the various kinds of facilitation of the groups at hand. When we look at how people are accepting of others, we also want to look at the defense mechanisms involved in fundamentalist types. Interjection is one that is used by fundamentalists, whether political or religious. Interjection is when the object of concern and the interdiction involves the internalization of characteristics of that object with the goal of establishing closeness to and constant presence of the object. Anxiety consequent to separation or tension arises out of ambivalence towards the object which is diminished. We also can see passive-aggressive behavior. Aggression towards an object expressed indirectly and ineffectively through passivity, masochism, and turning against the self. Projection may also be involved on an immature level, attributing one's own unacknowledged feelings to others. It includes severe prejudice, rejection of intimacy through suspiciousness, hypervigilance to external danger, and injustice collecting. Projection operates correlatively to interjection. The material of the projection is derived from the internalized configuration of the interject. We also sometimes see schizoid fantasy, tendency to use fantasy and to indulge in autistic-type retreat for the purpose of conflict resolution and gratification. Reaction formation is quite typical with fundamentalists. It's a mechanism in which the person substitutes behavior, thoughts, or feelings that are diametrically opposed to his or her unacceptable ones. Intellectualization comes into factor here. The individual deals with emotional conflicts, 
or internal or external stressors. By the extensive use of abstract thinking or generalizing to avoid experiencing disturbing feelings. So the defense mechanisms that we see with the fundamentalist types are interjection, passive-aggressive behavior, projection, schizoid fantasy, reaction formation, and intellectualization. Remember that intellectualization is different than being intellectual. Intellectual means that the person is intelligently utilizing concepts, where intellectualization is they use big words to avoid emotional disturbing factors. How do we negotiate with the fundamentalist? We'll be back in the psychologist's chair in just a moment. guests are being featured this week read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts go to iradioblog.com today powered by the voice america talk radio network listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on fitness rx radio with adela garcia and sonia gonzalez if you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically this is the show for you we'll look at competitions from the inside out bring you fitness tips nutrition to keep you on top of your game and so much more we want to hear from you too and we'll take your questions by phone or email tune in to fitness rx radio airing every monday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel look and feel your best follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. 
I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you're in the psychologist's chair talking about the psychology of terrorists. We've discussed the psychopathic, the fundamentalist religious or fundamentalist political, and then we're going to go into retributional terrorist. To conclude the defense mechanisms of the fundamentalist types, we did in the earlier segment. Now let's talk about how to negotiate with the fundamentalist types, whether they're political or religiously oriented. To better negotiate with the ethnogeographic types, know your own biases first. Learn to block them out, to maintain a clear and more objective role in negotiating. Issues of transference and countertransference are manifested here. The ethnogeographic players work as part of a group. The group in itself enhances the goals to destroy the common enemy. Their motto is, to die for the cause is an honor. Those who die with them, voluntarily or not, will also be rewarded in the afterlife, youthful martyrdom or both. So the negotiations to kill or harm them is their means to their end and therefore of no benefit to the negotiator. Clinical experience with such persons and individual members of groups suggested passive-aggressive characteristics. The symptoms of passive-aggressive personality disorder are revolving around the central theme that the person with such a disorder is sabotaging efforts directed at getting him or her to work or socialize at an expected level. Usually, such people think they are doing better work than they really are and get very angry when others make useful suggestions about how their performance might be improved. They tend to be critical of those in authority. This person, the ethnogeographic type, whether religious or political, or the individual within that group, asks for help, but then does not comply with the advice or evidence of cooperation. Now let's move on to the retributional terrorist, the fourth type. These are individuals who had no medical or psychological history of psychopathology. They may not have belonged to or favored any particular religious or political group or even groups. Furthermore, they may not have had desired any notion of joining such. Yet their home, community, family members, or all were destroyed by deliberately planned war crisis, or terror on innocent and civilian locations. The individual who survives an atrocity will seek revenge, punishment, or injury inflicted in return for what one has suffered, through retaliation to repay in kind or to make a counterattack, and revolt to rise in rebellion to be in the mood to protest or defy. Retribution, deserved punishment, usually for an evil that is done, becomes the focus of this person we call the retributional terrorist. 
The retributional terrorist finds he or she have nothing to lose. They've lost everything of meaning in their life, and they will be finding justice by their definition. However, the realization of isolation is clear when they are frustrated by not being able to reach their target, the individual or group that caused them the grief. These individuals are found to suffer from a diagnosis called post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder can strike anyone who survives a severe physical or mental trauma. The disorder has gained notoriety from the frequency with which it inflicts war veterans. But a much wider population, including children, are at risk as well. This population includes people who have been beaten, raped, tortured, or witnessed the gruesome accidents, atrocities, or natural disasters. Symptoms of PTSD can appear soon after the trauma or be delayed months or years. But eventually, people with the disorder begin to re-experience the trauma event and the anxiety associated with it. The most dramatic symptoms are the distressing recollections, nightmares, or daytime flashbacks in which the trauma is replayed. Nightmares can also be severe with retributional terrorists who wake up from sleep screaming. Flashbacks can occur with dissociative states in which victims actually lose touch with reality. Other symptoms include the kind of emotional anesthesia called psychic numbing, which leaves retributional terrorists disinterested in the world around them. They may withdraw from family and friends, leaving themselves increasingly isolated. The retributional terrorist often tries particularly hard to avoid situations that remind them of their traumas, even minor similarities that trigger symptoms. Someone who had been severely assaulted by a policeman, for example, may avoid watching television lest a similar situation be depicted. Someone who watched a friend drown may attempt to avoid seeing any body of water. This avoidance behavior can become so consuming that retributional terrorists are nearly housebound. Some victims of PTSD report being extremely touchy, easily startled, or easily move to anger and violence. They can experience all the symptoms of panic. PTSD also leaves people at risk for depression. Low mood, insomnia, difficulty concentrating, feelings of guilt and bodily aches and pains are all common complaints. In post-traumatic stress disorder, the traumatic event is quite prominent in the retributional terrorist memory, not locked away in the unconscious. The disturbing memories are so easily triggered, in fact, that the mind initially seems to cushion itself against possible reminders. It accomplishes this through symptoms 
such as inattention to one's surroundings, emotional numbness, social withdrawal, and narrowing of one's range of thought. Retributional terrorists are also of great risk to turning to alcohol or illicit drugs in order to blunt their emotions. Defense mechanisms of the retributional terrorist are this, controlling, which is excessive attempt to manage or regulate events or objects in the environment in the interest of minimizing anxiety and solving internal conflicts. Rationalization is the justification of attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors that may otherwise be unacceptable by an incorrect application of justifying reasons or the invention of a convincing fallacy. Anticipation is another defense mechanism. Realistic anticipation of or planning for future inner discomfort. Here we go with intellectualization again. Here the individual deals with emotional conflicts or internal or external stressors by the excessive use of abstract thinking or generalizing to avoid experiencing disturbing feelings. It may be that the retributional terrorist is the easiest to negotiate. Negotiations with the retributional terrorist can best be served by reminding him or her that innocent people will be harmed as his or her own innocent family or community was harmed. This fourth type uses hostages as an inner This fourth type uses hostages as instrumental victims for negotiations only and does not prefer to harm them. He or she, however, cares little for their own life since they have little for which to live. When we look at the summary of the psychology of terrorists, are these similar? Are the four types of violators alike in some way? They may just be. When we come back, we're going to look at that summary, and we're going to also look at why do people join terrorist groups. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist chair. you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Think you know everything there is to know about running a successful business? Think again. Break it down. The truth is, you may only know the half of it. 
don't worry, you are far from being alone. Many people think they can go with the half they do know, and the other half will just come naturally. When you are your own boss, on-the-job training comes at a price. Tune in to The Other Half of Business with host Davida Lewis and Adam Lyons, airing live every Saturday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. And find out how to get ahead with the other half of your business. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. On America's front lines of crime and war with Victory Defense Consulting, hosted by J.J. Sutton. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Front Lines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at InThePsychologistChair.info. That email address again is info at InThePsychologistChair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. And we're back in the psychologist's chair talking about the psychology of terrorists. When we summarize the psychology of terrorists, we're looking at those four types of violators. Could one make a different excuse or explanation between terrorists or freedom fighters? Certainly not a psychopathic type, but is it easier or possibly acceptable to look at the two ethnogeographic type and the retributional type as freedom fighters? Frustrations, insults, and aggressive behavior heighten the aggressive tendencies of victimized people. Therefore, they may join a group, religious or political, that targets the same offenders as a person who seeks a specific target and limits vengeance to the person, group, or nation that caused their atrocity. The groups can amplify aggression and aggressive reactions partly by diffusing responsibility. In other words, when that retributional terrorist tries to fight that enemy on their own, and they cannot, They may have no choice but to join a group who has a similar enemy. Terrorist groups are not restricted to one ethnic or socioeconomic group. They cross natural boundaries and exit in all areas of the country, region, and globally. Both male and female get involved in terrorist groups. 
Potential terrorist group recruits may suffer from a poor self-esteem and low self-esteem and low self-image and may feel isolated from their peers. While some may be actively recruited, some join the terrorist group by default. They were never discouraged from getting involved in the sacrificial lifestyle. Many terrorist group members have frequent contact with positively rewarding aspects of social, but the terrorist groups begin to replace their community, which has been targeted by another group, whether it's race, creed, or cultural differences, for political or religious differences. People who join terrorist groups as the soldiers for many reasons, and the circumstances differ with each individual member. We do see common reasons for an adolescent to join a terrorist group, including low self-esteem, a little chance of future growth, family issues, usually economic oppression, peer pressure, respect and promised recognition, excitement, protection from fear of threat, family involvement, little or no resistance or discouragement to join, revenge of a common enemy. There is no one thing that will push a person to join terrorist groups, and he or she will not become a hardcore terrorist group member overnight. Many times, a person joins a terrorist group because they have a great need to feel important socially and economically and are welcomed by a group. If that need is not met in a positive fashion, the person may try looking for reinforcement from any group. But this would be very dangerous and perceived as treason. When we look at the psychology of joining groups, especially teenagers who are vulnerable. We see that teenagers need to have an identity. They need to find independence and develop emotional stability. If they're high school dropouts or junior high school dropouts, or their families are living in poverty or oppressed in the community where they live, they are most vulnerable to recruits from a terrorist group because that terrorist group's promises them an identity. They promise them independence and earning money, that when they die for the cause, they will be martyred with their pictures all over. Their families will continue to gain income from their service to that community. So that teenager now believes that they have an identity, they can be independent in rescuing their families economically, their emotional stability is now grounded by that external superego, the group. There's many reasons that people will join terrorist groups, but like most youth activities, where criminal or otherwise, most people join ethno-geographic terrorist groups for compassion, fame, and promised eternal life. The desire to belong to a terrorist group may stem from 
a variety of motivations. But the one thing all terrorist groups have in common is a claim on territory or religious rights and acceptance. A terrorist group's territory may be a community, a region, or the entire world. Members wear the terrorist group colors or a particular style of clothes and symbols, which usually indicate struggle or power in certain communities. Terrorist groups have leaders and often officers. Sometimes drugs may be a means of economics for a terrorist group and therefore a different from other kinds of terrorist groups that do not depend on drugs for financial strength. They can be more organized and much more dangerous. They're responsible for the distribution of such drugs from marijuana to cocaine and heroin. Terrorist group members may sell drugs, carry drugs, and covertly protect dealers and other terrorist groups and its members from the authorities or rival terrorist groups. One attraction to terrorist groups is the loyalty members seem to have for each other. Terrorist groups seem to provide an instance an inst terrorist groups seem to provide an instant group of best friends. When we look at terrorist groups, whether it's religious or political, it may very likely be housed with the psychopathic and the retributional. Most likely the retributional. Psychopaths don't like to be in groups. They like to work independently. They're only there for themselves and for the money. They could care less about the cause. The ethnogeographic, religious, ethnogeographic, political have a cause, and they believe that dying for the cause and those who they take with them in that process will be kindly rewarded. The retributional terrorists may be the easiest to negotiate because they want to harm no one else as they themselves have been harmed. The victims are the hostages, but they're only instrumental victims used for negotiations. So when we look at the four types of terrorist, the psychopathic, ethnogeographic religious, ethnogeographic political, and the fourth type, the retributional terrorist, we're looking at what is their mindset, their defense mechanisms is included, and how to negotiate with them. For a better world, I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair until the next time. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network 
its staff, and management. 